Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. Hi, and welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. My name is Lori Reichel, your host, the Puberty Prof. Today, we are going to talk about partnering through puberty, the wonder years. And to help me out, I have Wendy Sellers. I met Wendy upon moving here to the wonderful state of Michigan. And Wendy, thank you so much for being here today. Would you mind saying hi to our audience and introducing a little bit about who you are? Well, hello, Lori. I'm Wendy Sellers. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you for inviting me because I know we're going to be talking about our mutual favorite topic, which is puberty. And the kids years ago nicknamed me the puberty lady because I love talking about puberty and especially with children and the adults who care for them. I have been doing this for over 30 years and I recently became a ASECT certified sexuality educator. And so I am continuing to learn and grow as well as the young people are. Wonderful. And I think talking with children about this topic, it's it's so much fun because they're naturally curious about their bodies. Would you agree? Oh, yes. Kids are very curious about their bodies. It is totally relevant to them. They are at all stages of growth from birth on changing physically and emotionally and cognitively. And they have such unique questions about those things and see those their world through wide open, fresh eyes. And so just hearing the way they frame their questions is always so exciting. And they're willing to learn if you start talking young enough without any shame. And that's really the goal is to help them understand the wonderful changes that they're experiencing without shame. Excellent. When do you advise parents and other caregivers start talking with their children about puberty or other topics? At what point? I'm a firm believer that you start talking with your children about sexuality from birth on. And that begins when you are bathing or diapering an infant by naming their body parts with the medical or dictionary terms. And that way you're setting a precedent for giving your child the language that they need to be able to talk to you about their body. And you're also modeling shame-free talk. That is the foundation for talking about puberty later when you start noticing the changes in them or they start noticing the changes in themselves and or their peers. And really, by the age of eight, you should be talking about what changes they're going to experience, especially if you see some of the preliminary signs of puberty. Because young people who don't have those conversations with a trusted adult can really experience a lot of fear and anxiety about the changes that they experience and confusion about how to manage the, their health and those changes. Wonderful. And you also do school and parent partnerships, don't you? Would yes. you tell us about that? 
Sure, I'd be happy to. I got into the whole field of puberty education when my own children went to school and their school was not doing any sex education. And so a couple of years before my children would begin a sex ed program at school, I developed a curriculum called Puberty the Wonder Years. And that came out in 2002 as a result of me volunteering for years in my children's school as their puberty educator. And Puberty the Wonder Years is for grades four, five, and six. And so over all of these years, I have worked with a lot of teachers and other educators to equip them to teach school-age children about sex ed, especially the puberty years, but all grades. So would you agree that we're on the same page, that it's not the talk? Because when I went to school, you had the one talk at school, and then I had a talk at home. And I've spoken to my parent about that, and they flat out admitted that they didn't know what to do. They didn't have the skills because they weren't taught. And I respect that. That's very honest. And then the schools at times might do a one-time thing. Your program, though, is longer than that. Correct? Yes. Yes. Lori, it sounds like your experience and mine are very parallel. <laughs> when, when I had my puberty education, it was one hour in the gym with girls and their mothers. And it was oh so secretive. And they showed us a film strip, which tells you how long ago that was. But really, that still continues in many schools. It's a one hour in the gym showing them a video or a one hour talk by the school nurse or something similar. And then it's a one and done, which didn't do anything for me. It probably didn't do anything for you. And it doesn't do anything for today's children. Um, At home, my mother sort of slid a book under my bedroom door and Recently, she dug that book out because she doesn't throw anything away, of course. (laughs) And I asked her to look at the copyright page. And the book was titled Confidences, and it had a green cover. And the copyright date was 1910. Wow. Right. So it was irrelevant when I got it all those years ago. (laughs) Wow. With that copyright date. And so, yes, I am in total agreement with you that we cannot just hand our kids one book and hope they read it. We can't just have a one hour special in the gym at school and hope that our kids get it. So Puberty, the Wonder Years is a set of six or seven lessons, depending on whether it's fourth, fifth or sixth grade, where, yes, we teach children about the anatomy and physiology of the reproductive system. Yes, we teach children about the social, emotional, cognitive, physical changes of puberty. But we go beyond that to teach young people some of the skills that they need to navigate puberty in a safe and healthy way. And we also teach their families because like like you said, your mom admitted she didn't know how to do it. My mom certainly didn't know how to do it. And many adults have had the experience where they did not have good models when they were growing up for how do we have these ongoing talks with our children, let alone even one talk. And so, yes, Puberty the Wonder Years also has a very strong family engagement component because we know that parents and other caregivers want to do a great job talking to their children over and over as they grow and need more information. And they just aren't really sure how to start, what tools to use, what to say at what age. And so they need those props. 
in a future episode, I have someone, one of the health coordinators for the state of Michigan, talk about what the states require for sex education and HIV, in which you seem to have a passion, correct me if I'm wrong, Wendy, regarding helping parents strengthen the partnership, because this doesn't have to be only on the family. You have these lessons, this curriculum that goes to the schools to empower those educators, and there's a parent piece and other caregiver piece. So what recommendations do you have for parents and caregivers about working with the schools? Parents and caregivers have a great deal of influence that they don't always wield effectively. And so I am a firm believer that parents and caregivers have a couple of big ways they can wield that influence. One is with their child's school. Schools are designed to meet the needs of students, but they always rely on parents and caregivers to know if they're meeting that mark. And when a parent or caregiver comes into the school in a positive way and offers to help with the sex ed advisory board, which is legally required in Michigan, and other states also have sex ed advisory committees, they can volunteer to be on that committee and have direct input into how the sex ed or puberty education curriculum is administered. They also can request that the school evaluate the effectiveness of their sex education program each year and get those results out to parents so parents can see if what they're doing is working by increasing their students' knowledge, skills, and behavioral intentions, or whether they need to tweak something or change something. They can also ask their classroom teacher or their school principal what's being taught at each grade. And many parents assume that their child is being taught sex education and puberty education, and they may not be. And so it's really important to ask those questions, what's being taught and how. Again, if you come in and do that in a friendly manner, in a curious manner, you'll be well received. If parents come in in a defensive or angry manner, of course, that's not as well received. The second way parents have a lot of influence is over their own child or children. Most young people report that they would rather hear about sex from their parents than any other source. Yes. And so parents need to step up confidently knowing that they are that one go-to person that their child really wants to hear from and have ongoing talks, equip their children with books that are appropriate for their age. And I have book lists on my website and videos of book reviews that I've done to help parents select those books that they can then either slide under the door to their child or read together would be ideal. And so wielding that influence with your own children, having ongoing talks, don't wait until your child asks a question because some children don't ask questions. Just dive in, find a teachable moment and start having those talks because that's really what your child wants. Even if they go, oh, mom, or oh, I already know all that. (laughs) Thanks for saying that because that's why I created that Talk Puberty app in which the families, and I say families, not a parent, but families, they're sitting together with the younger person and they go through those questions and there's a simple question, simple answer, and it helps lead the discussion. It takes the ownership off of the child and the parent or other caregiver that they don't have to create these questions. 
And then seeing those questions, and I recommend saying them out loud to practice those skills. How do we communicate and ask questions? Asking those questions actually leads to other questions. I totally am in agreement with what you had said. And as a health educator, when parents did approach me, I was like, yeah, you can see what we're doing. This is, we're a partnership. We're here to help out because we want to ensure that children are receiving age and developmentally appropriate information. Yes, absolutely. In Michigan law, parents are assured the right to preview curriculum. And so parents, I encourage you to go in and look through the curriculum, look at the lessons, look at whatever videos and other resources are being used. So, you know, and then you can build on those lessons at home because parents have a unique position to fill. And that is parents are the only ones who can teach your children, your family's values. You're the only ones who can teach your children, your religious or spiritual values. The school cannot do that. And so that's why partnership between school and home is so really important because each group has their own special role to fill. Wendy, for the wonder years, puberty, the wonder years, if there's somebody listening in a state or in a country that doesn't have a curriculum, would yours be one that you'd recommend to say, you know, talk with me, see if there's something, a tool here that your educators can use? Yes, absolutely. Um, I invite people to connect with me. There's a contact link on my website. And if you request a consultation or if you just want to have an email conversation, we can set up a Zoom meeting if that's most helpful. Um, I do that often with both individuals and school committees or school administrators or teachers. And we can talk about what are your needs and whether or not Puberty the Wonder Years might be a good fit. And if not, I can often recommend another way for someone to go to find what they need. Because I know in our state of Michigan, people that teach anything pertaining to sexuality, they have to have a, a training. They have to meet certain guidelines in the state. It's not like that elsewhere. Yet parents and other caregivers can certainly look for tools no matter where they live to help people get some training or have some strong tools to make it more age and developmentally appropriate, like I had mentioned before. What are some recommendations you have for schools that can, to strengthen the relationship with parents and other caregivers about puberty education? Sure. Um, I have worked with schools for over 35 years and schools are a unique organization and so sometimes it's a little bit challenging for people who are not school people to figure out how to navigate that system. And so I always recommend to schools that they are completely transparent with parents about sex education. There's a lot of fear in schools that they will experience controversy or conflict with the parents or the community, and they don't want that. And so I assure them that transparency is really the way to avoid that. I also recommend that schools completely uh, have a good communication system with all of their school families, that they have ongoing communication, that it's a matter of fact that they will be sending out communications on a regular basis. And that builds a lot of trust and partnership with families. I recommend that they completely support any family that decides their child is not going to sit through the sex ed classes. If a family has looked at the curriculum and they, for whatever reason, decide, 
you know, this isn't, this just isn't a good fit for my child or my child right now for whatever circumstances isn't going to do well in this class. They have the right in Michigan to opt out. And in every other state I've worked with, schools recognize that parents can opt their child out of sex ed also. And so then I suggest that the school give the parent or family member the resources to do that sex education at home if they choose to. So they're empowered Mm -hmm. to do that a different way. And so honoring that right to opt out. And then also inviting parents to be on that sex ed advisory committee or board in Michigan. The sex ed advisory board is required to have parents on the committee. They're required to have students on the committee. They're required to have educators, a community medical person, and a clergy member on that committee. And so it's very prescribed in Michigan. In other states, the committee is not quite as strictly prescribed because Michigan, believe it or not, is one of the most conservative states when it comes to sex education and HIV prevention education. Thank you. I know when I worked in the schools, another thing that seemed to be helpful is that schools offered a time for parents to meet who was going to be teaching their children. And I've always liked that idea because it's like meet them so you can learn to trust. That back to school night that happens at a lot of schools throughout our country, I'm not sure about other countries, that in the beginning of the year that allows parents and other caregivers to see that this is who's with your child all day so they can trust them. For this topic, do you agree it's also important for parents and other caregivers to get connected with that person to see them? Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. Parent preview nights are one of my favorite events. They're not required by law, but they are best practice. And so I always encourage schools and I give them a sample outline for how to do a parent preview night. And that would be where you invite the parent or caregiver in ahead of time to preview the curriculum in a group and have someone, preferably the person who's going to deliver the instruction, explain what are the goals of the program, what is the specific curriculum that will be used and what what are the topics included, and then allow a Q&A time for parents and other family members to ask their questions. And then if anyone wanted to view any of the videos, they could do that afterwards. But by doing that, I totally agree with you, Lori, that this is probably the, the most effective way to build that rapport with families and the partnership between school and home. And a lot of people are afraid that those of us who teach sex ed, especially if we're really enthusiastic about it, are some kind of pervert. And we're really not. We're really, we're parents, grandparents ourselves. We're people who believe that young people and their families should have more smooth sailing through puberty than we had when we were young. And so we're very committed to upholding the family's values the important role of parents and other caregivers in educating their children and also giving them the supports to learn about puberty as they approach it. Yeah. And thanks for bringing that up about how sometimes educators are perceived because I know when I was a child, I was curious. So when I've worked with children about this topic, it's this, they're curious and for them to understand what their bodies are going through, the naturalness, the normalcy behind a lot of it, and then the skill set of how you handle certain things and not only 
survive but thrive through these years because it's an exciting time. Mm-hmm. So thank you for saying that. And certainly I agree with you that a lot of us that are passionate in the field, sometimes it's, we got into this area of interest because of meeting somebody. Like I believe I had told you in a previous conversation, I met people that had HIV, really full blown AIDS. And I kind of watched some of them die when I was working part-time at a hospital when I was an undergrad. And that really impacted me to go, how can I help prevent this and also have more understanding for people of sometimes people get something. How do we be empathetic? How do we support people? Yes, absolutely. And I collect puberty stories from adults. When I go to conferences or do trainings, I invite people, if you have a puberty story and you'd like to write it out briefly and anonymously and give it to me, I would love that. And most of the puberty stories that I have collected are stories of pain, ignorance, shame, because people were not taught what they needed to know to feel more comfortable with the normal natural changes that everyone goes through. And so, yes, like you, there are those personal connections, those personal experiences that that really illustrated to us that the work that we're doing to help young people navigate puberty is really important and needed work. That's the perfect segue to my next question in which we've talked about that partnering through puberty regarding parents and other caregivers in schools. What do you recommend for young people? Say if they're in a school and they're perceiving they're not receiving the education that they would like to receive, and maybe they don't have a parental unit or caregiver that is talking with them or is has the time. You know, there's so much going on in some of our families. What do you recommend for young people about puberty education? The first and most important thing I would recommend for young people as they're going through puberty is to identify two or three trusted adults that they can go to if they have a question or if they need some information or if they need some help. And that person might be a parent. It might be an aunt or an uncle. It might be a religious leader. It might be a coach. It might be a neighbor. It might be the counselor at school or the school nurse or a teacher, but to have two or three people that they know their names and they know how to reach them, that they feel like they could go to, that is really vital because when young people have conversations with trusted adults like that, it's a protective factor and it really helps them to thrive and not make mistakes as much. The other thing I would recommend is A lot of students, by the time they get to middle school or high school, they're really clear about the fact that they did not get the information they needed. And at that point, they're old enough to volunteer to be on that sex ed committee at school. And they can actually have a role where they speak up and say, this is what I needed to know in sex ed class. And how are you going to fix this? And so that's one really formal role they can play that has a lot of influence. All of the sex ed advisory committees that I have worked with over the years, I've been very clear, we need to have students at this table. And the students have been the voice of clarity, the voice of reality, because so many of us are older and we've, we don't know what life is like for young people right now. It's different than it was when we were that age. 
And although we went through puberty and we can relate to many of the things that young people today experience, there are also those unique changes in our society that young people can tell us about if we're willing to listen to them. So I encourage young people to speak up, say your mind, ask your questions, seek information from reputable sources and have two or three trusted adults that you can go to whenever you want to. Excellent. Thank you. And in health education, we have that eighth standard nationally and in the state of Michigan to the advocacy skills. And that's what I think of when you say go on to that committee. I love talking to young people and, and having them advocate learning those positive skills is for how do I stand up for a cause that I'm passionate about. Thank you. Another thing you reminded me of is if you're a parent, caregiver, you're somebody that works for school, if you're a young person wanting to know what is age and developmentally appropriate that can be taught in the schools, we have the National Sex Education Standards. They were revised and released last spring 2020. All that you have to do is a Google search. FOSSI, Advocates for Youth, has a link. Uh, so there's a lot of places that will provide the actual document. And what I like about it, and I told parents and other caregivers about this, is that they can look at the chart. So they even know what's age and developmentally appropriate to talk with children about. Mm-hmm. And then schools can look at it to see if they're reaching those performance indicators on those charts. Mm-hmm. Yes, the National Sex Ed Standards are a national guide that um, education can use. The standards are given in grade bands. So there are multiple grades grouped together and it's not real specific. There are other sources for what to teach at each grade also on my website, pubertycurriculum.com. If you search in the blogs, you will find charts on typical childhood sexual development and what you can expect at each age and what kids need to know about at those ages. There are other other websites that give you tips on how to talk to your children at each age, and they are very much written to parents and caregivers and are very easily digestible. So you can see, hmm, is it time to talk about this yet? And you can check one of those charts or guides for how to um, talk to your kid and at what age. Wonderful. And so can you tell us again, how can people get in touch with you, Wendy, if they would like more information about your services, as well as that blog, all that information, you know, that age appropriateness, how can we get in touch with you? Probably the easiest way is to go to pubertycurriculum.com. And when you get to my website, there is a contact button in the upper right hand corner and you can just fill that out and it will send me an email and I respond usually within 24 hours, especially during the pandemic when I'm not traveling. (laughs) But I, I love talking to people, respondang to those requests. So go to pubertycurriculum.com. I know it's a little hard to spell, <laughs> but curriculum has two R's. <laughs> okay. And um, or you can just Google puberty the wonder years and that will get you to the website also. I think they can also Google Wendy Sellers, the puberty lady, because that's how I found you. Oh great. Great. Good. <laughs> Thank you for that tip. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's how I found you. Last summer, I think, when we first somehow got connected. 
And I'm so glad you did, Lori. It was nice to know that you had moved to town, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny to see that there's the puberty lady and then there's the puberty prop. Yes. You know, in, in the same state. So it's great. Yes. And I really appreciate the services that you have. I appreciate your passion, the professionalism you provide for educators, for parents, for children. So thank you for that. Do you have any last comments you want to make, words of advice for anybody that's listening? Yes, I strongly believe that a partnership between home and school is really vital. And I especially want to mention that for parents, I've developed an online class and I forgot to mention it earlier. And so if you're a parent or a caregiver or you work with young people and you really want to talk to them about puberty, but you're just not sure how to do that, I encourage you to check out um, the course called Preparing Parents for Puberty, and you can get to that on my website also. Wonderful. Wendy, thank you so much for your words of advice, for all that you do. I appreciate your time today for the Puberty Prof Podcast, and I thank the listeners. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to Wendy Sellers or myself, the Puberty Prof. You can do that by going to pubertyprof.com. There's a comment box. You can follow me on social media. I have a Twitter account, an Instagram account. I'm open. If you heard the mini episode I did about looking for feedback, I love receiving feedback because this is a journey for all of us. This isn't just the puberty prof. I'm working with the puberty lady here. I'm working with as many people to be a team, as well as young people, parents, and other caregivers in schools. So thank you again for listening. And I hope that you have a happy and healthy day. Thanks, Lori, for all your important work that you're doing on this topic. Take care. Thanks, Wendy. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow The Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information, as well as ask questions to be answered by the Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.